0: It's All leaving with your boy, Barry Grant. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at All Leaving Podcast. You can listen to the show on SoundCloud as well as YouTube. So like, share, and subscribe to that. What a beautiful Saturday it is. It's a little warm outside, 63 degrees or whatever, but still not summer weather. But it's fine. We'll take it. Lots to get into. NFL Thursday night football. Week 11 is upon us. We're going to talk about that Seahawks and Cardinals game. We're going to see who's the contender, who's a pretender for those two teams. NFL picks. The NBA draft was on Wednesday, so we're going to go ahead and dive into that. See exactly how the top five teams did, and also I'll give a Nick grade as well. NBA free agency is underway. We're going to go ahead and look into that. See who's the winners and losers so far. And the greatest segment on the Planet Dummy of the Week so let's just jump right into it. Week 11 is here in the NFL. Thursday night football, we had a good game between two very, very good teams. We had the Arizona Cardinals going against the Seahawks. Seahawks win this game 28 to 21. Russell Wilson didn't have an impressive game, but they won the game anyway. He had 197 yards passing, two touchdowns, but the running game got going. Carlos Hyde, 79 yards on the ground, a touchdown. Russell Wilson rushed for 42 yards. Scarborough had 31 yards. So as a team, they rushed for 165 yards and a touchdown. You had Tyler Lockett, nine catches, 67 yards and a touchdown. DK, I bench press cars, Metcalf. You can't keep him out of the end zone. He had a touchdown as well. So the Seahawks got it going. They've always been a ground and pound type of team. They've had that philosophy for years, but Over the past couple years, they haven't really ran the ball consistently enough to, you know, go to that particular strategy. So Russell Wilson had to do what he had to do. They had to go to a more, you know, air attack. If they can be able to run the ball like this, they'll have some success. The defense didn't play all that bad either. You know, the defense has been struggling all year, and they actually made some stops. They got a key, crucial safety, you know, in the last minute or so of the game, minute and a half. So, you know, they, they did well. For the Cardinals, Kyle Murray he's special. 269 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked three times, but he had a good game. Their running attack just could not get going. Kenyon Drake had 29 yards. Nobody can get anything going. Larry Fitzgerald, the old horse, eight catches, 62 yards. Hopkins had another pedestrian night. That's two nights in a row, so they're starting to key in on Hopkins. They have to find a way to get him open, get him in space. Uh, but for both teams, listen, both teams are good. The Seahawks are 7-3 and three now. Cardinals are 6-4. and four. The Seahawks are more of a contender than the Cardinals are. I think the Cardinals are like a year ahead of schedule. They have a lot of talent. And once Chandler Jones comes back next year, they're going to be flying. They're going to be all over the place. They have a lot of potential. I love what uh, Kingsbury is doing. He's a good young coach. He's a smart mind. I like him. He has everything in order. He was the right hire. You know, obviously, a lot of people criticized him when it happened, but he has proven his worth here. For the Seahawks, like I said, defensively, if they can be able to close the gap a little bit defensively and make some stops, get some stops on that end, they have a chance to contend. But if they're not going to get any stops, they're not going to go far because you need a defense that can be able to take the ball away, one, and get timely stops. They haven't been able to do that all year, and it's because they have one of the best quarterbacks to ever play this game behind center is why they're winning games. So if they can be able to get some consistency on that defensive side, they're going to have a chance to really be a special team and a team that contends for the NFC crown. If you even look at the last, you know, 40 seconds of that game, you know, Kyler Murray was throwing some great passes on the money, and they were making some clutch defensive plays. They were getting the hands on the ball. They were making sure they were breaking up plays, you know, breaking up the routes. It was really, really good to see. Normally, a couple of weeks ago, they probably would have gave up a touchdown, went, went to overtime, and probably lost the game. But now you're starting to see them, they're starting to play much, much better on defense. Obviously, it's one week, so I don't want to look too much into it, but I like what I saw. I want to see them continue to, to, like I said, make some plays and you know, really start to to have some, some type of cohesiveness on that defensive end. But what you're starting to see, man, you're starting to see Kyler Murray get into his own. He's starting to look like Russell Wilson. You know, he's a, I don't know, they say that they're the same size. He does not look the same size as Russell Wilson. He looks like an inch or two or three shorter than Russell Wilson. Those little legs, he just looks like a little kid just running around. But he has an arm, man. He knows how to deliver that football. And the fact that he's so little, he has that quick release. I I love watching Kyler Murray play. Like every time the Cardinals are on TV, I have to watch him. Not to mention they have DeAndre Hopkins. Not to mention they still have Larry Fitzgerald. Like they still have guys that are really, really like great guys. You know what I mean? Great teammates, great professional athletes. They just do things the right way. And this team, this team is on the rise, man. I think. I think the Cardinals, within the next two or three years, man, you're going to start talking about them like how you talked about the Green Bay Packers, like how you talked about, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, like how you talked about the 49ers a couple years back. Like, they're going to be that team. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into these NFL picks for week 11. Let's go. First game we have out the gate is going to be the... Cowboys and Vikings, Cowboys are 2-7, Vikings are 4-5, and, and they're the hottest team in football. I got the Vikings winning this game and winning this game easily, 32-15. to 15. There's no way they're going to be able to stop Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook may end up rushing for 275 yards by himself. As a team, they may go for 350. It's just, you know, the, the Cowboys defense has been playing better, but they're still giving up big yards on the ground. You know, everybody's saying, hey, you know, the Cowboys, they're starting to look a little better, blah, blah, blah. but they're still giving up 200 yards on the ground, 250. They're, like, they're not going to be able to stop the most dangerous running back in football, period. You know, Andy Dalton is back. Okay, so what? Doesn't matter. He's not going to be able to get the football to those receivers. So they're going to get blown out. They're going to be 2-8 and eight and on to next season. They need to start focusing on next season. Next game after this is going to be the Eagles and Browns. Eagles are 3-5-1. Browns are 6-3. I have the Eagles winning this game. 27-24. I just believe that Carson Wentz is going to do just enough to get them over the hump. I don't believe in Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield is a terrible quarterback. The only thing that saves this team is that defensively they can be able to get after the quarterback. Miles Garrett. He's he's having a, a very, very good year. If they can get pressure on the Eagles, they can be able to possibly have a chance, and this is why I have the game pretty, pretty close, but they're not going to be able to win this game. I had the Eagles winning slightly, and they continue to lead the NFC least. Next game after this is going to be the Falcons and Saints. Falcons are 3-6, and six, Saints are 7-2. and two. Saints announced that Taysom Hill is going to be the quarterback for Sunday. That is a disaster. I don't know how the hell that's gonna go, but I still think that he's gonna be able to get in the end zone, whether it be passing, whether it be rushing, whether it be receiving. He'll find a way to get into the end zone. The Falcons don't have a great defense. They're gonna be able to move the ball on this Falcons defense whenever they want to. Expect Alvin Kamara to have a big game. Saints win this 35 to 22. Drew Brees is gonna be out a couple weeks. I don't know if they're gonna be able to Stick with Taysom Hill for all of the weeks that, that Breeze is out. We'll see. I think that Jameis deserves a shot, but I don't know if Sean Payton and them are, are going to go that route all because they gave Taysom Hill a ton of money to just be a gadget guy. So obviously they're going to have to throw him in there and have him earn his money, I guess. I, I don't fucking know. Next game after this is going to be the Bengals and Washington football team. Bengals are 2 6 and 1, Washington is 2 and 7. Honestly, this is going to be a better game than people expect. I have the Bengals winning this game, though. I have the Bengals winning 24-17. to Joe Burrow has a good game. Both quarterbacks are pretty good. Alex Smith is going to have his second start. He had a tremendous game his first game starting. So we're going to see a nice quarterback matchup. However, the Bengals have just enough talent over the Washington football team to get the job done. Next game after this is going to be the Lions and Panthers. Lions are 4-5, and five. Panthers are 3-7, and seven. Panthers are in a free fall, they had Christian McCaffrey come back, then he hurt his shoulder, now they don't know when he's going to come back. So I had the Lions winning this game 28-20, to 20. they're going to be able to do exactly what they want, although Galladay may be out, they still have enough weapons to be able to get it done. DeAndre Swift has been special, he had his first start last week and he looked great. They still have Marvin Jones Jr., they their defense looked pretty good. And for the Panthers, they they have they have issues. Teddy Bridgewater's hurt. McCaffrey's hurt. So they're gonna have to see what they can be able to do. What easy sets they're gonna be able to try to give the quarterback to run. It's it's not gonna be easy, and they need to figure out something quick because it, it may end up be a beating. <laughs> Next game after this is going to be the Steelers and Jaguars. Steelers are the best team in the NFL at 9 and 0. Jaguars are one of the worst teams in the NFL at 1 and 8. Steelers win this game 37 to 20. It won't even be close. Ben Roethlisberger is going to have a good game, 275 yards passing, three touchdowns. They'll be able to move the ball effectively on the ground. I say that Connor probably goes for 75 yards on a touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster continues to have his good games. He's had about four games in a row where he's been very, very effective. I think he also, you know, probably gets eight or nine catches, 70-something yards and a touchdown. Claypool continues to dominate in all the ways that he does to find the end zone. So they're going to have their way with this team. They're not going to have an issue. It could be a trap game. I don't see the Steelers falling into a trap game because they're too well coached. They're just well coached. Tomlin is not going to allow him to do that, so I see them winning this game easily. Next game after this is going to be a good one between the Titans and Ravens. Both teams are 6-3. I have the Titans winning this game. I just believe that the Titans have a better team. They have the better quarterback right now, in my opinion. Tannehill is better than Lamar Jackson. They have the better running back. I don't think the Ravens are going to be able to stop Derrick Henry. Titans win this game 27-21. It's going to be a good game. However, the Titans will win and win by a small margin. Like I said, one team has to win, one team has to lose. Both teams are pretty well coached. They're very good, but I just believe that Lamar Jackson is going to struggle this game. He had a rough game last week, but listen, he was playing in a monsoon. Who cares? You can throw that game out. But this game, I feel he's going to be able to struggle because the the Titans, they can be able to get after you. They tackle well. They have good corners. So they're going to be able to close those running lanes and force him to make passes. He has not been a great passer this year. So we're going to see exactly what happens. If they can't run the ball and their passing game has not been great, they're going to have issues. And this is why I got the Titans winning this game. Next game after this is going to be the Patriots and Texans. Patriots are 4-5. and five, Texans are 2-7. and seven. I have the Patriots winning this game 30-24. to 24. Cam Newton has had some good games in a row. I think he's found a good receiver that he has some rapport with. Jacoby Myers, they're going to be able to to get get it going. The running attack looked pretty decent last week as well. So if they can be able to continue to ground and pound and control the line of scrimmage, control the time of possession, they're going to be able to win this game easily because the Texans can't stop a nosebleed. They can't stop anybody. So if you can be able to just beat them into submission, they will give in. You know, they have Watson. That's it. Offensively, they have they have Cooks, they have Cobb, but when you're down 21 points and you have to work yourself back, that's the problem with the Texans is that they always get down quickly. So if they can be able to kind of keep the game close, maybe, maybe they have a shot, but I don't see them keeping this game close at all. Beating, beating, beating. Next game after this is going to be the Dolphins and Broncos. Dolphins are a surprising 6-3, Broncos are 3-6. Broncos are not going to win this game. I had the Dolphins winning 30 to 27. Tua Tagovailoa continues to impress. They're going to be able to run the ball as well. I think the kid Ahmed he looked good last week. I think he's going to have another good game. They have a great defense. They're going to be able to get to Drew Lock. I don't. Even, I don't even know if Drew Lock is going to play. He has some issues going on right now, injury wise. So if Drew Lock can't go, they're really going to have an issue. Uh, their running attack for Denver has not been effective, and they're not going to be effective on Sunday as well because that Miami defense is scary. They're fast and they get up in your ass. All oh, that rhymed. That was nice. Uh, next game after this is going to be the Jets and the Chargers. Jets are the worst team in football at 0-9. Chargers are 2-7. Darnold may not play. It's it, it seems like it might be you know the last rights for Sam Darnold in New York. It's very very sad. They've destroyed this kid. He has so much potential. I had the Chargers winning 30-15. to 15. Justin Herbert went and chopped off his hair. I don't know if that's going to be a negative thing for him. You know, you, you ever heard of Samson? He may have just, like, ruined his season. Maybe he has a disaster game at quarterback and looks terrible because he cut his hair. I don't know. Hopefully it's not that. But if he, if he doesn't have a bad game, Chargers win this game easily. I think Kalen Balaj is going to have another good game on the ground. He's had two weeks in a row where he's he's ran the ball phenomenal. They may have a viable option here on the ground if he continues to play like this. Next game after this is going to be the Packers and Colts. I think that this game may be the game of the week. Packers are seven and two. Colts are six and three. Colts have one of the best defense in all of football, but this is a Aaron Aaron Rodgers. I got the Packers winning, but it's a close game, twenty to seventeen. Aaron Rodgers finds the end zone twice. DeVonte Adams is going to have a struggle because those cornerbacks get up in you. They get up in you and they're very physical. So Aaron Rodgers may have to do some some magic this game, but I do have them pulling this out. This is going to be a great game. It's going to be a great defensive struggle as well. I expect to see Michael Pittman Jr. actually have a good game for the Colts. They may end up pulling this out, but I got the, you know, I got the Packers. I can't go against Aaron Rodgers. I just can't do it. I can't do it, man. I, I love the guy too much. So Aaron Rodgers wins this game. Packers win this game. And that is my game of the week. And for the Sunday night game, we have the Chiefs against the Raiders. AFC West matchup. Chiefs are 8-1. Raiders are 6-3. I have the Raiders winning this game 35-30. This is going to be another shootout that they had last time. Raiders had won the game before. The Raiders' pass rush is going to be able to get to Pat Mahomes a little bit. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to sack him more than two or three times, but if they end up getting to that quarterback more than two or three times, it's going to be a rough night for Mahomes. That offense is still good. They they have to try to find a way to get Le'Veon Bell involved, though. For you to sign a guy like Le'Veon Bell and not utilize him to give them a different look offensively, this is why I feel that they've They've looked a little off-kilter the last four or five weeks to me. You know, they're still a good team. They're still sharp. But I feel that they can be able to be a little better offensively if they find ways to use Le'Veon Bell. You know, I don't think that Le'Veon Bell is shot. I really don't. But if they continue to not have him, you know, play in the games and just have, you know, vanilla type of a uh, 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 play calling for him, this is what you're going to see. They have to change it up. They got to get him in space. If they're going to be able to line Le'Veon Bell up in a slot and do some special stuff, this offense will look that much dangerous. I, I don't know why Andy Reid doesn't want to do that. But hey, we'll see what happens, man. The, you know, there's still a lot of games to go in the season. Maybe they'll start to incorporate Le'Veon Bell a little more. But I had the Raiders winning this game because defensively, that front seven is scary. They know how to get up in you, they're very physical. And Derek Carr is a very underrated quarterback. A lot of people don't want to give him credit. I'm going to give him all the credit in the world. He deserves it because he's a good quarterback. And for the Monday night game, we're going to have the Rams and Buccaneers. Rams are 6-3. Bucs are 7-3. I have the Rams winning this game, 29-25. It's going to be a nice game, good shootout. Both quarterbacks are going to be able to be effective. But the Rams defense is going to be all up on Tom Brady's ass. Aaron Donald you can't stop him he's gonna be in that backfield and you know Tom Brady can't get away his old ass was never fast in the first place he's not gonna be able to escape that that pass rush and he's gonna have a rough rough night rough night those are my NFL picks for week 11 I want to see how I do we have some really really good games this week man so I'm very excited to sit down have my beer have my popcorn have my wings and See exactly what the hell goes on, man. You know what I mean? Coming up after the break, NBA draft, the top five. And plus, I'll give you my Nick grade as well. On a Saturday, it's all even so stressed because I hate my job. Let me guess, you're at a dead-end job and find it hard not to press the snooze button? Well, come down to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have campuses in Westbury, New York, Boston, Connecticut, New Jersey, North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Develop your skills in broadcast media that include audio production, television, radio, and sports broadcasting. Learn from industry professionals in a small, intimate class setting for a better experience. The hands-on training is second to none. And if you're worried about what to do after graduation, the Connecticut School of Broadcasting helps you to get job placement. Take it from me. It took me seven years to get here, and it's been the best time of my life. Go to GoCSB.com or dial 1-800-887-2346 for a studio tour. And who knows, maybe you'll be the next media superstar. Welcome back, y'all. The NBA draft was on Wednesday. And it was pretty eventful, right? But then it wasn't. Because a lot of the teams just... Went off the rails and made some picks that, I mean, made sense to them. It made sense to the analysts. But they they made some questionable picks. And I, I really didn't understand it. So, but all in all, you know, a lot of teams got exactly what they wanted. A lot of teams walked away happy. A lot of teams walked away satisfied. A lot of teams walked away was like, all right. But I want to talk about, obviously, the top five Picks of the draft. I want to give you my take and insight on what I feel that these players can be able to do, what I think that their potential is long term, and also I want to then talk about the Knicks and how they did as well. So let's start off with the number one pick in the draft Timberwolves select Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. Kid is listed at 6'5. I don't really think he's 6'5, I think he's more like 6'3.5. He has an NBA body. He's not ready offensively yet. He's raw. He has a lot of skills. But three-point shot, he doesn't really shoot that well. Uh, He does have a good handle. He's a little immature, but that comes with time. You shouldn't look at an 18- or 19-year-old kid and expect him to be a polished product. That's That's not what it is. That's not what any of these kids are. If you get a kid that's already polished at 19- You're lucky. He has some growing to do. He has some maturing to do. He's going to be able to do that. Now, does he fit with what the Timberwolves are trying to do? I don't know. Because the Timberwolves have two young stars there already. They have D'Angelo Russell. They have Carl Anthony Towns. This team wants to make the playoffs. They're not looking to rebuild. They're not looking to be in a development process with any young players. If they're going to develop players along the way while they make the playoffs, great. But they're not sacrificing playoffs for development. And that's why I feel that this draft was very, very up in the air in regards to how a lot of teams felt. If they can be able to move the pick for something substantial in regards to a veteran that can be able to help them get to the playoffs or get to the next step. They would have did it, and this is what happened with the with the Timberwolves. I don't think that there was any deal out there for them that was substantial enough for them to trade it without them feeling that they're going to be able to get better. They weren't going to get better trading the pick for some marginal veteran. No, they needed a superstar back, a Devin Booker, a Ben Simmons, you know, a De'Aaron Fox, somebody like that but they couldn't they couldn't pull the trigger they couldn't get anybody to bite so drafting an anthony edwards was the safe pick i guess can he be able to develop into a superstar i'm going to say no i don't think anthony edwards is going to be a superstar i think he's going to be a very good player i think he's going to be a special talent he may make a couple all-star teams but in regards to superstar there's only a few superstars in the nba anyway so is he going to be a LeBron James? No. Is he going to be a Quad Leonard? No. Is he going to be Giannis Atenacumpo? No. Is he going to be Steph Curry? No. Will he be Paul George? Possibly, yes. Can he be a DeMar DeRozan? Absolutely. So you can have tier B, tier C guys that are still very good players. That doesn't mean just because he's a number one pick he's going to be a bust because he's not a LeBron James. It has nothing to do with that. It was a very unique year in regards to these picks. There was no clear-cut number one. And you saw that with how these teams picked. So that's that's my thing. I don't think Anthony Edwards is going to be a superstar, but I also don't think he's going to be a bad player. He's going to be a guy that can be able to average anywhere around 17 to 23 points a game. And... He's gonna have to work on his game defensively as well. If he's gonna be a player that the Wolves need, he has to develop defensively. Number two, the number two pick in the draft, the Warriors select James Wiseman, big man out of out of Memphis, seven one, got a seven nine wingspan, has a nice fifteen foot jump shot, can rebound, can pass, can block. He's left handed. He can do it all. He's the modern-day big man. He can even shoot a little bit in regards to stepping out of three. It's not consistent enough yet, but in a couple years, he can definitely become a 33 34% three-point shooter. If you can get that out of your big man, you know, the sky's the limit. The Warriors were the only team that could be able to draft him and not worry about him developing when they want him to develop. The Warriors are good enough to be able to have him develop at his own pace and still be contending, still compete for a top seed. Now, granted, Klay Thompson is now hurt. Klay Thompson tore his Achilles. He's going to be out a year. He's going to be out a total of two years since he tore his, his, his ACL back in the NBA Finals. So, you know, there's a lot of guessing that's going on, second guessing that's going on in Golden State right now. But they, they traded for Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre is a very good player. He's not Klay Thompson. But he can be able to give them some, some help. Some relief in regards to what he can do. He's athletic. He can score. He's a good defender. He's a confident player. The problem is that Andrew Wiggins. Can they be able to get anything out of him consistently enough to contend or have a chance to contend in the West? Now, The question is, going back to James Wiseman, do I think that James Wiseman can be a superstar? And does he fit with this team? He fits well. He fits seamlessly. They need a big man. He can be able to do exactly what they want him to do. He can rim protect. He doesn't even have to be an offensive juggernaut right now. All he has to do is protect the rim, get some lobs, be a great rebounder, and run the floor. That's all they need. Can he develop into a superstar? I would say Yes, but will he? No, I think James Wiseman is gonna be an excellent big. He's gonna be a guy that averages, you know, anywhere between 19 and 20 points a game, 22 points a game. He can be a double double guy, but is he gonna be a superstar? No, I don't think that any big man in the NBA going forward will be a superstar. The game is not for them anymore. Guys like Joel Embiid, they don't they, they don't come often anymore because kids are not trained to be bigs anymore they're trained to handle the ball shoot threes they're not trained as back to the basket type of athletes type of type of players anymore so can he be a superstar yeah of course but will he in my opinion no i don't think he's gonna be a superstar i think he's gonna be a very 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 good player tier b maybe even a low tier a guy he can be able to possibly be a a piece to a championship puzzle can you build your team around him I, I don't see that happening no but he definitely can be a piece to a championship puzzle can Golden State put this puzzle back together I don't think they can I think the the, the ship has sailed with this team they were great they had a great run it's over now Draymond Green you're gonna see him struggle for the second year in a row they're not going to be good. You're going to see Steph Curry struggle. They're, they're, the defenses are going to be able to key in on him. There's no Klay Thompson to have to worry about. There's no Kevin Durant to worry about. There's no Draymond Green to ever worry about. So Steph Curry is going to be in a role that he hasn't been in in a long time. The one guy that everybody is going to be keying in to stop. But it was a A-plus grade for, for, for the Warriors in regards to drafting Wiseman. This was the... Only logical pick for me, honestly. They could have went LaMelo. They could have went Obi Toppin. They could have went Danny Abdia. They could have did that. But James Wiseman fits exactly what this team needs now. So definitely an A-plus grade. Next team we have at number three was the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball. Point guard, shooting guard, he's 6'7". Has great handle, has great... You know, uh, he has a great skill set. His shot is broken, but he needs to, he can fix that. Um, Do I think that the Hornets could have done better here? No, I, I don't. I think that he's probably the most talented player in this draft. So you have to get him. Can they be able to build around him and develop a culture of winning over there? Jordan hasn't, he hasn't been able to do it yet. In 15 seasons, owning the team, they've only made the playoffs three times. So I I, I don't see that happening. But LaMelo Ball can carve out a good career. You know what I mean? Whether it's going to be long-term with the Hornets or with somebody else. The kid is talented, but he has to fix that broken jump shot. Can they help him do that? Absolutely. Is it going to take some time? Absolutely. Do I think that LaMelo can be a superstar? No. I don't think he can be a superstar. I think he's going to be a very good player, but not a superstar. He is a more talented version of Alonzo Ball. He can handle the ball well. Like I said, he's he's a razzle-dazzle guy. But a superstar, no. He'll he'll be must-see, but he's not a superstar. That's not a bad thing, but I don't see... There's no job ja Morantz in this draft. There's no generational talents. They're just very good. Next pick after this is going to be number four, Chicago Bulls draft Patrick Williams. This was the surprise to me. A lot of people say that you know he had a top five grade. I didn't really see that. Obviously, he had a top ten grade, but going number four was a surprise. I thought that they would have went Denny Abdia here. That was the more logical pick for me. But Patrick Williams is a great defender. He can be able to 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 do a lot of things. He needs to get better shooting the basketball. But at six six, he's long. He's he's a Jimmy Butler type. He's he's gonna be a hard working kid uh is he a superstar no <laughs> he i don't think he's going to be a superstar i think he's going to be a lunch pail guy just like jimmy butler is and he can be able to work himself and build himself offensively to become a very good nba player maybe a couple all-star games maybe a couple all defensive teams but a superstar no not no way but they the bulls did get a good pick here if you want to rebuild and have certain pieces that you feel can be able to help you get there. Patrick Williams is definitely a piece. Now, can they put it together? Are they going to be able to sustain this? Billy Donovan is now the coach. Can he create a system that's going to be good for these players to develop in? I don't know. I'm not a big Billy Donovan fan. So we're going to see what happens with Patrick Williams, what happens with Kobe White, what happens with Zach Levine, you know, Laurie Markkinen. We're going to see. But Patrick Williams fits here. He fits seamlessly. I understand why they went here. But is he a superstar? Is he a generational talent? No, he's not. He's far from it. The next pick is going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers at number five. They took Isaac Okoro. Everybody was like, why? Why pick Isaac Okoro? This I thought here was going to be Obi Toppin. I thought Obi Toppin would be the pick here. They've been talking about Obi Toppin being a top five pick this whole time. And then they take Isaac Okoro. Listen, I know they need a small forward, but he's not a guy that's going to be ready anytime soon. He reminds me of Jonathan Isaac. That's who he reminds me of. And Jonathan Isaac took a while to develop for the Magic. You know, he got hurt. I think he tore his ACL. So he'll be back. But this is is not a move I think Cleveland should have made. Obi Toppin is a guy that can score now. He can help you sell tickets. You know, it's, it's, but hey, it's Cleveland. So who really cares? Now going to my superstar question, can he be a superstar? No, he's not going to be a superstar. He's going to be a farmhand. He's going to be one of those guys that is a very good starter for 10 years, but he's not going to be a superstar. He's not going to be a star player. He's going to be a very good serviceable guy. That's that's where I see his stock going. Could I be wrong? I could be wrong about all of these guys in the top five, but I don't see it. I don't see it, and I don't understand why they went this high and got him. So, you know, Cleveland Cleveland does what Cleveland does. They've only gotten a couple draft picks right in their history. LeBron James, Kyrie Irvin, and a couple guys back then, Larry Nance. But other than that, I mean, this is Cleveland we're talking about here. This is the Cavs. And the Knicks, the Knicks at number eight. How did the Knicks do? Well, the Knicks drafted Obi Toppin. I think the Knicks made out well because the Knicks can be able to now do a little bit more. They have a guy who's athletic. He's long at 6'8", 6'9". He can play the power forward position. If he is able to get a little quicker laterally, defensively, he can be able to play some small forward. Obi Toppin reminds me of Kyle Kuzma defensively. Not offensively, defensively. he If he needs to learn how to move his feet better. But offensively, the guy's a bucket. He can hit the three, he can score in transition, he dunks everything, and he has a lot of upside. I think that Obi Toppin has a good chance to be the rookie of the year. Is Obi Toppin a superstar? No, it's not a superstar. But he could definitely be one of those guys that's just a professional scorer in the NBA. You look up, it's like, oh, my God, five years in the league, Obi Toppin is averaging 20 points a game. How, why is he not mentioned as one of the best players in the game? That's the, the conversations we're going to have about him. But is he somebody that you build your franchise around? No. He's a guy that you have on your team to build your franchise. He's a nice piece. He's a building block. And the Knicks are starting to do a lot of good things here. They had a good draft. They drafted a kid, Emmanuel, quickly. Out of Kentucky, so listen, they they have they have done a good job here. So I'm gonna give the Knicks a very good grade. They they, they were impressive. I, I like what they did. They could have went they could have went uh, Halliburton at number eight, but they chose to get Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin wasn't supposed to fall to them. They had to take him. There was no way they were gonna pass on Obi Toppin if he's there at eight, a top four pick at eight. They had to get him. So you know Halliburton would be the definitely smart pick or the safe pick. I think Halliburton's a hell of a player. Uh, he's gonna be a good player as well. Uh, Obi Toppin, Ob Toppin was the right choice. Now, if I'm gonna say who's the sleeper in this draft to actually ascend and be that special talent, it's definitely going to be Cole Anthony. I think Cole Anthony is going to be phenomenal. Um, he's a dynamic scorer. If he didn't get hurt in college and was on that bad Carolina team, we'd be saying different things about Cole Anthony. The other guy I think is Jaden McDaniels. He got drafted by Minnesota at 28. Jaden McDaniels is going to be a special player as well. So there's a lot of kids here that have a chance to be superstars. Will they? No, they're going to be very good players. I don't think anybody in this draft is going to be a superstar. I, I, That's just my opinion. It just doesn't scream superstar to me. There's no star appeal here. There's just good players, and that's fine. You're going to have drafts like this where every player is not going to be looking like a Zion or Ja Morant or LeBron James or Dwayne Wade. It's fine. Not every NBA player or not every NBA draft is going to be filled with megastars. That's not the way it is, but they're good building blocks to build a good team. You need these guys. They're going to be professional athletes and professional basketball players for 10 to 12, 13 years. A lot of these guys are going to have long careers in the NBA, and that's what you're looking for. Sometimes you don't get the superstar, but you get the really good organizational stud that sticks around, does things the right way, and you have him for 14, 15 years, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy deserves to be in our Hall of Fame, not the actual Naismith Hall of Fame, but the team's Hall of Fame. So you know, kudos to these kids, man. They they this was a solid draft, like I said. But it was there's no clear-cut superstar. There's ne- there's no clear-cut pick or fit. We're gonna see how these players look in the next three or five years. If maybe we were wrong, maybe if I was wrong, I I'll, I'll fess up to it if I was wrong. If somebody becomes the next Carmelo Anthony or LeBron James or whoever. I'll fess up to that. That's fine because these kids are going to be the ones that prove us wrong. They're the ones that have the ability to do that. Scouts can say whatever they want to say at the end of the day. But the kids are the ones that actually make the decision on if they're going to be superstars or not. So we'll see what happens, man. Coming up after the break, NBA free agency frenzy has started. And we got to talk about it because there's a lot of moves that happen that's, very good. There's all the ones that just scratch your head like usual. <laughs> on a Saturday. It's all even. Yo, yo, what up? It's your boy DJ G Money, representing that Flip the Script Podcast. But well, listen, right now I'm listening. I'm tuned in. I'm tapped in to a brand new podcast called the All Even Podcast. With my man Barry Grant. Yo, B, what's up, man? Congrats on the new podcast. I'm listening right now. I'm tuned in. Fire. Fire. All even. We here. Let's go. Welcome back, y'all. NBA free agency is here. There's a lot of great things that has happened already, a lot of crazy moves, a lot of shocking moves, a lot of good moves. You you, you always have like a mixture come free agency time. So let's go ahead and go into it. Let's break it down. Obviously, there's I'm not going to break down every single move because there's been tons of them. But we're going to go through the most noteworthy ones. Uh, The Lakers, they go ahead and steal NBA reigning, defending six man of the year, Montrezl Harrell from the basement dwelling clippers. I mean, Clippers. This is a good deal for them. I was shocked that they actually pulled this off. I don't know how they pulled this off because Montrezl Harrell was never in their, you know, their short list of players that would would be able to accept a deal like that coming off a six man of the year. You would think that the market would have been pretty heavy for him, but I guess he wanted to to get a championship. And sticking it to the Clippers, this one hurts the Clippers, man. This one is this one is tremendous. This is a big, big uh get for the Lakers. Uh I, I don't know how they're gonna be able to fit him in, but we're gonna see how it works. Offensively, he fits well. But defensively, he's never been a great player. He's 6'8, he's very undersized as a five, undersized as a four. And he can't really move his feet that well. He's great in the pick and roll, but offensively, but defensively, he doesn't really move his feet well. So we're going to see a lot of Anthony Davis at the five, maybe Montrezl at the four, or maybe you see Anthony Davis take a breather and they put Montrezl at the five, you know, listen, it's a, it's a good problem to have the fact that he's on a, you know, he's on a, a two year deal with a player option. Who knows if it doesn't work out by midseason, maybe they get rid of him, maybe they they try to find somebody else. I I like the move. Because if you can be able to align yourself offensively with a whole bunch of talent, then you can be able to give LeBron James a little breather. They have Dennis Schroeder. They 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 signed uh Wesley Matthews. So the Lakers have done very well for themselves. If I'm gonna give them a draft grade, I definitely give them an A-. Uh, you know, they need to get a little bigger. On the perimeter. They lost Avery Bradley to the to the Miami Heat. He signed for five years, eleven million dollars, which is a good get for the Miami Heat. But going back to the Lakers, they they have dynamic weapons offensively now. Now they have to kind of gather themselves defensively because they lost Danny Green. They lost Avery Bradley. They lost Dwight Howard. How are they going to be able to fill that gap? Dwight Howard signs with the Philadelphia 76ers. One year deal worth 2.6 million dollars. It's a non-guaranteed deal. I don't really understand why he did this. I you know, he he had tweeted out that he's going back to the Lakers. Then all of a sudden, five minutes later, he deletes the tweet, and then two hours later, we get the notification that he's going to the the the, the Sixers. It's a great graph for the Sixers. I just don't know where he fits. I don't see Embiid and him playing at the same time. So I don't I don't really I don't get it. You know, I see that, you know, he has some respect for Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is a defensive coach. He had a great year with the Lakers last year in regards to uh, Dwight Howard being a a backup. He said he wanted to get compensated. The Lakers were offering him a $3.1 million deal. It was fully guaranteed. I don't know what happened. Maybe the Lakers were the ones that pulled out of it. Maybe they were just kind of kicking the tires and say, hey, would you be willing to take a $3.1 million deal? And maybe Dwight got it confused that it was an offer. You know, so I think it was like preliminary talks that he kinda jumped the gun. And then when it didn't happen, he got frustrated and signed with the next team that offered him a deal. So, you know, it's interesting. It's a it's an interesting situation or interesting pickup for him. We'll see what happens. We'll see how that works out. Uh, you know, I'm gonna give that I'm gonna give that a B minus. B minus grade. Dwight Howard He's about to be 35 years old. He can still defend, so he he'll help them. But I, I don't see I don't see how it's an actual perfect fit. The Detroit Pistons. They are the New York Knicks from last year. Remember the Knicks had signed like 15 power forwards. The Detroit Pistons said, "All right, yeah, y'all y'all did that. Hold my beer. I'ma show y'all something." They signed Mason Plumlee to a three-year, 24 million dollar deal. Why? I don't know. They they have big men. They now they then signed uh Jaleel Okafor. Why? <laughs> they still have Blake Griffin. They then signed Jeremiah Grant three years $60 million. Why? I, I just don't understand. And then they let Christian Wood out the door. He's now with Houston on a three-year $41 million deal. So I, I don't I don't understand. Where Detroit is going, I don't get what they're trying to do. Maybe they're trying to get all of these assets to maybe be able to pull off a Blake Griffin trade. I don't know. I have no idea, but I am confused. I'm lost. I don't know what to say about them. It's it's nonsense what they're doing. Like Whoever's the GM over there, he may end up being a one and done guy because this does not make sense. You saw what happened to Steve Mills in New York when he was when he signed all those power forwards. He got fired. He got fired. So we'll see what happens in Detroit, but this is not this is not a good look, man. This is everybody's clowning on him and they have every right to. Like I don't see any Detroit Pistons fan jumping up and down right now because none of the deals made sense. Not one. Fred Van Fleet for the Toronto Raptors. It's a great re-signing for the Raptors, great deal for for both parties, better for Van Fleet. Uh, In four years, I don't know, or three years, I don't know how this deal looks, but for right now, Van Fleet has worked his ass off, he deserves every penny. Uh, I believe that he's going to be possibly the starting point guard, probably, maybe in a year or two, so Van Fleet has earned his his keep, they have a system over there, Nick Nurse knows how to use him, he's developed well over there, so kudos to them, uh, you know, keeping him in town, because... There was big talks that he was going to be able to go somewhere else. The Knicks were looking at him. He was chasing a bag. He has a championship already, so we understand. So the fact that they can be able to get him for four years, $85 million, to stay at home, that's a, that's a good grab. De'Aaron Fox, he re-signs with the Kings. Five years, $163 million. Listen, this is the move that they had to make. This is a great, great player. He's going to get better. De'Aaron Fox is a cornerstone. He's a guy that you can be able to build your franchise around. So I have no problem with this deal, man. This was this was great. This was great for the Kings, great for De'Aaron Fox, great for the organization to have some type of stability where a superstar wants to stay there. You know what I mean? So, you know, let's see how it goes if they can be able to build a contender within the next few years. But the biggest surprise to me, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward... He opted out of a $34 million player option from the Celtics, and everybody's like, well, why would he do that? You only opt out of a big-ass contract like that if you have something in the pipeline. And obviously, he has something in the pipeline. Charlotte signs him for four years, $120 million. Why? (laughs) What is Michael Jordan doing? Can this guy get anything right when it comes to evaluating, scouting players. I don't get it. Yes, he drafted LaMelo Ball. Great pickup. But then you go ahead and do this. So for every good move that you do, you do 15 bad ones. Four years, $120 million for Gordon Hayward. He hasn't been healthy in two years? Why? Why does this make sense? How does this make sense? Gordon Hayward right now is the biggest crook in basketball. Biggest crook in basketball. He shafted Michael Jordan into believing that he was a superstar, and Jordan bought into it. <laughs> oh, my God. The Hornets, they continue to just confuse people. I, I I don't get it. I don't get it. You can't cry that you don't have any money now, Jordan, as a franchise, because you're the one making bad contracts. You're the one making bad, bad deals. You're signing off on these bad deals. Another bad deal that I love. Marcus Morris signs a four-year, $64 million to stay with the Clippers. I'm going to say that again. Marcus Morris signs a four-year, $64 million deal to stay with the Clippers. <laughs> How did he fleece them? But you need No, no, no. That's not the question I should ask. How smart is Marcus Morris? He made them believe that he was a special talent and that he needed to Sign this big deal in order for them to 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 stay relevant. And the Clippers said, Yeah, you're right. You, you know, we we just lost Montrezl. We, we have to lock you up, man. It's 64 million. Here. He didn't even negotiate. He said, Oh, you guys are just gonna offer me a number? Uh, all right, I'll take it. That's fine. A bench player that's never been a legit starter in this in this league has now got a $64 million contract from the Clippers. Let that sink in. Lou Williams is making literally half that. And yet he's a better player than Marcus Morris is. Yet they locked him up for four years. (laughs) This is why they will remain in the basement. This is why I have no sympathy for the Clippers. Because they continue to do bad, stupid stuff. Just like you gave up five draft picks for Paul George. And he's going to leave you after next season. Just like how you turned over your franchise to a guy that doesn't want to play more than 50 games a season. And he's going to leave you after next year too. Let the Clippers not be a contender this year. Let them fall 5-6 and then end up getting beaten the first round or the second round. You think Quiet Leonard is going to come back? Yeah, fucking right. He's going to leave you guys high and dry and you deserve it. Why? Because you look like a desperate girl trying to get some guy that's way out of her league or that doesn't care about her. That's what the, that's what the Clippers look like. Desperate, desperate. That's what Montrezl Harrell saw too. He said, "I can't wait to get out of the basement. I I want to see daylight. I, I want to know what it feels like to be on the surface and feel feel sunlight on my back. I don't want to be in the basement anymore." <laughs> <laughs> and the cheerleader, you, chair, the 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 cheerleader of the team, Patrick Beverly took to Twitter. And he was upset. Why are you upset? You're the court jester. You have a job. Don't worry about it. You'll see him. He's just on a better team, better situation, better camaraderie, better organization. You should be happy for him. Don't be mad. The Atlanta Hawks, they made a big move as well. They signed Danilo Gallinari to a three-year deal worth $61 million. That's a big deal for them. He's a veteran. He can score. He's a great option in regards to a pick and roll, pick and pop. He can hit the three. He can score at an amazing clip. Gallinari is a good uh, addition to this team to get them to where they need to be. They're trying to make the playoffs. They're trying to be a contender in the East. So this is a a good step. And we're going to see what happens with John Collins now. John Collins is looking for an extension. Do they now go away from John Collins because they have Gallinari? Does John Collins now become expendable? I don't know, man. I don't know. But, you know, they they don't have to worry about that right now. They can be able to cross that bridge when they get there. But there's a they there's a lot of good things here with the um with the with the Hawks. I'm hearing that they may actually go after uh Rondo as well. Rondo may be going to the the Hawks, or I hear he may be going to the Clippers. I don't think going to the Clippers right now is a good move, Rondo. I don't think that going to the Clippers right now is a good move. That is a sinking ship and sinking quickly, quickly. Jake Crowder signs with the Phoenix Suns. Three years, $30 million. That's a good grab for Phoenix. They're starting to put together a nice team. They got some veterans. This is what you need. When you have a young team, you have young pieces. You got to put some tough veterans around them. Jake Crowder fits that mold. He's a tough guy, great defender, 3 and D. He can be able to help them tremendously. Chris Paul is there. So now they're starting to put this together i i give this a a b plus grade this is a really good uh pickup for them so kudos to the phoenix suns they're trying to go for it and that's that's all you can ask when you're when you're a player when your organization actually tries to put some pieces together and make things work and try to put you in a position to to be successful on the trade front you have steven adams heading to the new orleans pelicans in a three-team trade So that's a good deal for the Pelicans to be able to get a surefire, you know, rebounder, interior defender. So, you know, they're making some good deals over there. For Oklahoma City, we all know that this is a salary dump. They do this every few years. The owner does not like to pay luxury tax, so he decided to scrap the whole team, have 30,000 first-round draft picks, and hope to find another superstar in the process. So it's worked for them in the past. I'm sure it's going to work for them now. Stan Presley's a hell of a GM. He knows how to how to scout talent. He knows how to find talent. So they'll be in a good spot. On other news, though, this is the one that actually made me laugh. Like I actually blew snot out of my nose because <laughs> it, it just it just screams idiocy to me. John Wall hasn't played a basketball game in two years. And he has requested a trade out of Washington. So he created the mess over there. He hasn't made anybody better. He has one of the worst contracts in basketball. And he wants to leave. If I'm Washington, I let him sit there and rot. Because nobody's taking that contract. Unless you're going to do a player swap Westbrook for for Wall, it's not going to happen. And the Rockets are not going to do it. So... There's no team in the NBA that's willing to take on that bad of a contract unless you're willing to attach six first-round picks to that contract. If the Knicks were smart, they'd be like, all right, I'll take John Wall, but I need the next five first-round picks from you, and then we can pick-swap the last two probably. But I'm not taking anything less. He is a terrible leader. He's a terrible you know, individual in regards to his behavior. You know, we we all know there's rumors circling around that he may have some gang affiliation. You don't want that around your team. You don't want that around your franchise. He's not a good guy. He's never portrayed himself as a good guy. And why would you want that? Why would you want a bad guy on your team that's making 40 plus million dollars over the next three years? Nah, let him stay there. Let him rot. If anybody deserves to demand a trade. It's Bradley Beal. Let Bradley Beal get the hell out of there. He deserves better than to be partnered up with John Wall for the next four or five years of his career. He doesn't need that. He deserves better. He needs to get out of there. But the audacity of John Wall, yeah, I don't like the way things are going. I want out. You caused this. We haven't won with you. And in all actuality, the team has looked better without you. Bradley Beal has turned into a 30-point Dynamo, the guy is phenomenal. He doesn't need you there to stink up his his game, to frustrate him anymore. If I'm Washington, I pay his ass to stay home. Okay, you want to buy out? Nah, I don't want to buy out. I I want all my money. Okay, then stay home. We don't want you playing. We don't want you nowhere near this team. So just stay home. You tore your Achilles at home, right? So stay home. That's what Washington needs to do. They need to put their foot down and put their foot in his ass. That's what they need to do. John Wall requesting a trade. After you destroy that franchise. Give me a break. All right, man. Coming up after the break. The greatest segment on the planet. Dummy of the week. On a Saturday. It's all even. This is a public service announcement. Down in your luck. Tired of being curved. Sick of going out with the fellas and being the only loser without a lady? Well, I got something for you. It's called Sex Panther. <laughs> Legend has it that it's made out of real bits of real panther, so you know it's good. To men, it stings the nostrils. But to women, you may as well be a slab of in the dog pound. And that's not all it does. You could be getting ready to see that special Fox and disaster hits. No money in the budget for gas, only dinner for two. No problem. The fumes from Sex Panther can give your car 38 miles to the gallon. Sold you yet? I thought so. For $69.99, go from unlovable loser to the cock in the walk. Sex Panther, 60% of the time, it works every time. Welcome back, y'all. So without further ado, The greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. Dummy, yeah. We pick candidates on Monday and Friday, and then we pick the winner on that Friday show. Listen, you know, the show may switch to Tuesdays and Fridays from now on. I don't know. I'm going to see. But as long as we keep it consistent with two shows, we all right. We got the winner this week. It's a very good one. May I have the drum roll, please? And the winner is... Robinson Cano, second baseman for the New York Mets. Robinson Cano is my because Robinson Cano went ahead and got himself suspended for taking PEDs for a second time. He got caught. So now he's suspended for an entire season. That's disgrace enough because he was on pace to be a Hall of Fame player. His numbers are there. He's one of the greatest second basemen of all time, defensively, offensively. He has the total package. That's not the shame here, though. The fact that he got busted with PEDs for the second time, suspended for an entire season. What the sad part is that his entire $24 million contract is now null and void. (laughs) So was it worth it? Was it worth it? Taking that needle, taking that syringe and sticking it in your ass. Now you ain't ha- now you don't have your $24 million. Was it worth it? That's all I'm asking you. Like, yo, sometimes dudes got to realize that getting caught ain't, ain't worth it, bro. Just take the $24 million. If you wash, you are washed. You'll get your money. They'll end up probably negotiating a buyout for you, but you'll, at least you'll get something. You got to take the steroids or the PEDs to make sure that your body's healthy enough to even compete and play a full season in the major leagues. If you got to do that, it's time to hang it up. But the fact that you got bagged and now you have no money for this upcoming season. Not saying that, yeah, listen, you've made a ton of money in your career. You're not broke. You're not going to be in the street. But the fact that you allowed a team to be able to Say to the commissioner, yo, do we have to pay this check right here? No, 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 y'all good. He cheated, so y'all could be able to just write that off. That's crazy to me. How stupid do you have to be? (laughs) Listen, there's a lot of times where bad things happens to the Mets. Bad things always happen to the Mets. However, this is one of those, like, godsend situations where it's like, the first reaction is like, "Oh my God, Robinson! What? What'd what you do?" And then, once you actually like sit back and think about, "Yo, hold on, wait, wait, wait a second. So if he's suspended for the whole season, and they said that we don't have to pay him, yo, that means that we can get another player. Hey! It turned from anger, sadness, shock to total jubilation. Nobody in New York right now is angry. You would think that it'll be front page news and, you know, this will be the talk of the sports world and everybody's dissecting it and breaking it down and trying to, you know, gain some sense or why he didn't have an interview with him on TV and find out what's going on. You know, the, the Mets have to do a PR thing and say, hey, you know, this is what happened. Or he has to have a team come out and do some PR tour and try to clean up his image. Nobody gives a sh. <laughs> Why? Because there's utter jubilation. It's like Steve Cohen has given us luck that we've never had before. If this was the Wilpons, I somehow I believe that Robinson Cano would still be getting paid. That's the Wilpon curse, right? But the fact that we have a new owner now, it's like things are different. So I I, I don't know how to react as a Met fan. But hey, we'll take it. So if you want to go ahead and forfeit $24 million and allow us to win a World Series without you, man, you're actually the best teammate and the best player that we've had in this organization for a long time. You are willing to sacrifice yourself. (laughs) You're willing to sacrifice yourself and sacrifice all of the money that you're supposed to earn to have this team win and be better without you. That is is a great person. So don't let anybody tell you that you're not a great man, Robinson Cano. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not a great humanitarian. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not a role player for what you need to show these kids to say, hey, listen, you need to sacrifice for your team like I did. Yo, if if this happens and the Mets end up in the World Series, they may lose or whatever, or they, or, or if hell freezes over and we're in another dimension, if we're in Earth 9 and the Mets win a World Series, Robinson Cano deserves the MVP. He deserves the MVP for the regular season. He deserves the MVP in the playoffs and the World Series because without Robinson Cano, none of this will be possible. None of this will be possible. So, Robinson Cano, you may be the loser right now because you lost all of this money. But you're a winner for Dummy of the Week. And you'll also be a winner for the year if the Mets win the World Series. (laughs) That's all for this show. I'll see you guys next week, whether it be on Monday and Tuesday. I think I may move the show to Tuesday just until the NFL season is up. You know, I want to cover that Monday night football game that following day. So, you know, I think that's how we'll do it going forward. So until then, stay safe. Stay cool. Hey, you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at All Even Podcasts. Listen to the show on SoundCloud and check out my YouTube channel, All Even Podcasts. And don't forget to share, like, and hit that subscribe button. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?